Welcome everyone to Last Song Standing. I'm Cole Kushner. And I'm Charles Holmes. And in this second season of Last Song Standing, we're diving deep into one of the most mysterious artists of the generation, Frank Ocean. Cole and I are debating our way through his entire catalog in an effort to decide what's the greatest Frank Ocean song of all time. Yo, Cole, we are two episodes into this season. I'm actually feeling a little nervous about my list. How are you feeling about your list? Okay, so let's just recap for the listeners. My list so far, Channel Orange, my selection was Bad Religion, and my selection from Nostalgia Ultra was Novocaine. You picked Pyramids off of Channel Orange and Swim Good off of Nostalgia Ultra. I do have an admission here. I think since last week, since our Nostalgia Ultra episode, I think you're right about Swim Good. I think you're right that it is better than, <laughs> better than wait, Novocaine. Wait, what convinced you? What convinced you? I was you? listening to it after we talked. I was like, let me just listen to these back to back. And I was like, oh, Swim Good does kind of hit. It hits a little bit better, a little more timeless than Novocaine. All right, here's my issue. I don't want to be the basic Bettys <laughs> of music podcasting, but three out of our four picks are pretty big singles, which I'm like, damn, like, should we have thrown in one more deep cut in there? Are we about to do that today? You know me, I'm coming with some heavy hitters. Are you feeling good that we have so many fan favorite singles up front? I think we're doing pretty good. I still feel really good about the Channel Orange picks. I think Bad Religion and Pyramid shows both sides of what Frank Ocean is and what he represents. So I feel really good about those. You know, Nostalgia Ultra, I think, is a flawed album for this exercise just because there are so many remakes. But I think we're doing pretty good. I'm going optimistic. I feel you. I feel you. But it's time. Usually, we cover one album per episode and are forced to choose just one last song standing from that project. Then, in our season finale, our picks from throughout the season duke it out until we both can agree on what is the single best Frank Ocean song of all time. But today, Last Song Standing is embarking on a Frank Ocean musical odyssey, a double episode, if you will. We're taking a staircase to nowhere with 2016's visual album, Endless, but first... We're tackling all the Lucy's demos, features, and covers. Hopefully along the way, we will reveal a hidden truth. Often the best Frank Ocean music never makes it to a Frank Ocean album. I don't get weak in the knees. Honey spread like a fan. Perfect like some Gucci sand. Open the sky, get a head. Spirits watch me pants down. Can't be embarrassed of I feel it smiles on me. I see both sides like Chanel. See on both sides like Chanel. Swimming laps through. I want to know from you what makes a good Frank Ocean Lucy because I think what's happened to him over the last couple of years has been very, very interesting. Since Blonde and Endless, Frank has essentially said, fuck that. <laughs> and he gives us, like, if we're lucky, like two or three songs a year. Sometimes at this point, it's trickled off to maybe like one. But these songs have been phenomenal. So like, what to you is the ideal Frank Ocean Lucy? Yeah, I mean, it, simple answer is just, you know, just a good, complete song. And I think for the most part, he's given us that. It's not like a lot of these singles that we think of and we're thinking, yeah, post-Blonde, Endless era, starting with 2017 all the way to 2020. Every one of those singles stands on its own, has has its own kind of musical universe, um, all the songs kind of go together when you listen to just a playlist of those singles. They feel pretty cohesive. And I think that speaks to Frank's kind of mindset around these singles. Like he very recently, I think in early this year, uh, in January, I believe, he was sending out some merch um, that he was selling on blonded.com. 
and um one of them was a poster and on the back of the poster was this like i don't know what you call it a letter or some, some writing and it was about this fictional artist which was frank ocean but it was being kind of artful about it talking about himself and he was said on the poster it said quote um this artist believed that albums were outdated and that releasing singles is more suited to modern consumption habits where people curate their own playlists, which are then shared within private circles. So during this time, he's talking about that 2017 to 2020 era. And he was kind of, you know, living out this philosophy of just releasing singles and not concentrating on albums so much. In that same poster, though, and this is where everyone got excited, he said, it says, quote, the recording artist has since changed his mind about the singles model and is again interested in more durational bodies of work, which, you know, everyone's predicting that that means an album is coming. But I, I say that to say it's very Frank Ocean, these singles is that very thought out. They are a part of a larger strategy and they had some like philosophy behind them, which was at that time him believing that singles were more suited to the modern era. So whether you agree with that or not, you can tell there's just intention behind these singles more than probably most would think out and it and it you know stands in the music we can feel that intention in the music because these aren't throwaway songs these are really really well crafted songs that are some of his best work i hate the phrase durational bodies of work it means <laughs> absolutely nothing like call don't call my podcast podcast anymore call them durational bodies of work that's i hate when artists do that shit like stop stop people but no i think Frank said it. I don't think Frank's original hypothesis was wrong in terms of thinking that we were in a post-album landscape. But even if you look at this year, SZA is going to have one of the best-selling albums of the year, period. And she is also another artist who is an album artist. And I think what Frank probably took for granted about how people consume his work is that I don't think people listen to a Frank Ocean album once and like, all right, that's cool. Here are my favorite songs. Like, I don't put a bunch of songs from Blonde on a playlist. If right. I want to listen to Blonde, I just listen from front to back. It's like one of the rare albums. I'm not, like, I'm not throwing it on shuffle. I'm not, I'm most likely, like, going in. I might listen to one-offs, one in here. But, like, what about you? When you're listening to Frank Ocean, are you taking a bunch of Frank Ocean songs out of context and putting them on playlists? I don't I, I don't make playlists. Like, I'm an album guy. I listen to albums front to back. I, Ooh, I, I don't do the single thing. You don't make playlists, period. No. Like, I'll, I'll sometimes make my best of the year playlist so people can listen to my favorite songs of the year, but that's pretty much all the playlists that I make is, like, one a year. What happens, like, when you and the house alone you want to throw some ass you want to like just like vibe out you know what i'm saying you're just listening to a whole album yeah this is insanity cole wait justin like log on really really quick and then we will continue with this show justin is this odd behavior i usually try to stick up for cole in these discussions i usually try really hard but cole as someone who himself at one point would have described himself as an album guy you really don't ever make playlists these days in 2023? No, dude. 
If you can't you can't hold my attention for an album, you don't deserve my attention. Sorry. But what no, what about like older songs? Like let's just say like you're in a Radiohead mood. You're never like, yo, let me just see if I could like sequence my perfect Radiohead album. Radiohead is an album artist. No, there is no way in hell I'm putting Radiohead on a playlist. Like that is blasphemy. You heard it here sir. first. Cole there, listens to Pablo Honey all the way through every time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll say this about the sing- as Frank singles. To your point about him being an album artist. These singles did not quench the thirst of Frank Ocean's fan wanting this next album, right? Like he gave us like eight singles or something over the past three or four years or in that stretch. And it, it, you know, people were still asking for the album. So to your point, yeah, people want the full body of work. They don't, I think everyone appreciates these singles and cherishes them, but we also want that, that, that follow-up album that we have yet to get. But also let's be clear. A lot of the ones that we're talking about, I can understand why I didn't put them on the project, not because they're bad, some of them are almost so perfect as songs. I know, yeah. That they would have probably detracted. Like, yeah. can you imagine, I don't know, pick one. Can you imagine, like, biking being thrown on Blonde? Like, it would fuck up the vibe so much. And that's not taking anything away from biking. It's just some of the songs that Frank Ocean drops as singles, I'm just like, yeah, this wouldn't fit on a Frank Ocean. Like, this is, like, a, like this is, like, cool. This is a perfect song. I don't want this on like my very well curated piece of art, if that makes any sense. It, yeah, I mean, they feel like singles. They feel like self-contained songs, which again, I think was the intention. If he was being so intentional about these singles, I think he wrote these singles in mind in the same way that he wrote all the songs on Endless with a certain vibe or environment in mind, a certain concept in mind. The singles were a concept and it, we feel that in the music. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We are now going to get into the thing I've been waiting for all seasons. We're going to duke it out about the Lucy's. But before that, we have a commercial break. And then it's time for Super Quiz Kids. All right. Welcome back to Last Song Standing in the first half of this special double episode. We're covering Frank Ocean's Singles and Lucy's. That means any song not on Nostalgia Ultra, Channel Orange, Endless, or Blonde is in contention. Cole and I will nominate three singles each and then be forced to choose our last single standing. Oh! You, you changed it! I last, I le- last single standing. Woo, okay. I like that, Cole. <laughs> the one single we're taking with us to the season finale. Alright, so usually we start this part of the episode talking about album's background and themes, but since it's just the singles and we already kind of set them up before the break, uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into my favorite segment of the show, maybe Charles's favorite segment of the show. Charles, you want to stay it with me? Super, Super Quiz, Quiz Kids! Alright, yo, can I go first? I think I have, I think I did well. I think I did well, Okay. but I probably didn't. Alright, let's hit, hit me. Alright, what artist does Frank share the most Hot 100 entries with? I'm talking about collaborations, like song where these two artists are on the same song. So it's Frank and someone else? It's Frank and someone else. So who is who has he collaborated with the most that with songs that have charted? Is that the question? On the Hot 100. Whew. As a feature or as a songwriter? It's a mix. Interesting. Is it Kanye? It's not Kanye. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll give you two more. Okay. Um, Jay Z. It is Jay Z. Okay. God damn it! Hell yeah! It is okay. Jay Z. I was surprised. I was like, "Oh, it'll be like Tyler the Creator or something." No, it is Jay Z with "No Church in the Wild," "Oceans," and "Caught Their Eyes." 
the latter two songs I forgot existed, which is why I was like there. I was just like, wait, these songs charted? Oh, okay, I guess they did. Yeah, that's an interesting fact, though. I like that question. It's a good one. Okay. Did I get it right? Is that a half right? Is that a half? half? No, you get it right. I was okay. going to give you three. You got it on okay. the second try. That's, okay. a right, that's a correct one. All right. So for my first one, when this song featuring Frank Ocean was released, it was reported that Frank issued a cease and desist order to have the song taken down or his feature removed. What song is this? Oh my gosh, I used to know this. This is going to drive <laughs> me insane because I used to know the answer to this. Fuck. Oh, give me a little hint. Okay. Um, his name's coming up a lot recently. It is either a Travis Scott or ASAP Rocky song. <laughs> it's Travis. Travis. I do. It's Travis. What Travis? <laughs> so Astro, on Astro World, the song Carousel, uh, Frank has a really great feature, but Apparently, TMZ, when that song came out, reported that uh, Frank issued a, a cease and desist letter uh, because he didn't like the vocals on the track. And then Frank took to Tumblr to say this, quote, I think the song sounds cool. I did it in like 20 minutes and the mix sounds the way Travis wanted it to sound for his record. I also approved it before it came out. So the cease and desist wasn't about, and it has an emoji for the sound. And then it was about, and it has like a rainbow flag, which I think means pride. So it wasn't about the sound. It was about pride. Me and Travis resolved it among ourselves weeks ago. So he does confirm there was a cease and desist, but it seems like before the song came out, maybe he heard it was going to come out and didn't, I don't know. They're cool now, but that, yeah, it was a little bit of drama. It sounds like. Damn, that's a good one. I, he did have that feature. I remember all of this. Here's the thing. Also, I'm almost positive. I was working at Rolling Stone at that time. And I've just blocked out so many of my memories. I think I was blogging about the <laughs> So I definitely blacked out that entire night. I was very angry. Anyway, I have another one for you, Cole. All right. What is the only Frank Ocean Lucy song not on an album that's gone platinum? Oh, shit. Song not on an album. Does Are you counting Nostalgia Ultra as an album? So Nostalgia Ultra is an album. Okay. Um, it's got to be Chanel. How did you know? Come on, man. You got to I mean, I appreciate you giving me realistic questions, but come on. Here's the thing. The reason why I was like surprised that it's Chanel is that like when you go to Frank's Spotify, like a lot of people have listened to Chanel, but it is not like pink and white is above it. There's a couple other songs that are above it where I'm just right. like, okay, Chanel not as uh, popular anymore as I thought. Damn. I think so. I mean, I'll give you my third. Okay. I'll give you my third though, since that was you got that easy. I, I don't have a third, so this is going to be the tiebreaker. This is another Hot 100. What is the highest charting Frank Ocean song on the Billboard Hot 100, and where did it place? The highest charting Frank Ocean song. Can't be thinking about you because that would be too obvious, and you wouldn't make that a question. So, it's, it can't be. Is it on Blonde? Maybe. You just said pink and white, so it can't be that. I feel like I'm just missing it. I feel like it's obvious and I'm just missing it. It is obvious, but there's a reason I picked it. Oh, am I overthinking it? I think you're overthinking it a little. Is it thinking about you? It is not. It is Slide by Calvin Harris and Migos. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. That's not Frank's song, but okay. Whoa, what are you talking? That is his song. No, that's that's technically, uh, what's his, Calvin Harris's song. But it is the highest charting Frank Ocean okay. song. Okay, all right. I love that song. It placed at 25 
Wow. So not not even that high. The highest charting Frank song is 25. Weird. <laughs> that is weird, actually. Um, I love that song. We might talk about it later. Um, okay, so here's my second question. How did Frank Ocean premiere his single, Chanel, and who was featured on the official Chanel remix when it premiered? Easy. ASAP Rocky, and I believe he premiered it. I want to say... Was it Blonded Radio? No, it was Blonded Radio, but I'm looking for a little bit more specificity around how he premiered it on Blonded Radio. Do you remember the details of it? I remember that he played the shit out of it. Yeah, okay. I feel like yeah. he played... Yeah. He, did he play multiple versions of it? Yeah, he played it 18 times in a row for an hour straight, and there's three different versions of it, uh, or three different endings of it, and one of them included the ASAP Rocky verse, so you got that one. Yeah, we're we're a no ASAP Rocky verse in this household. I will <laughs> in this last long standing household. I feel it sounds like you recorded it on the phone or something. But yo, that was a great super quiz, kids. I got one, you got two. All right. That means you get the first choice. What what do you want the first choice for? Lucy's are endless. I already know what you're gonna be. Give me Lucy's. And the winner is Frank Flippin' Ocean. Frank Ocean. The winner is Frank Ocean. All right, so there's a lot to work with. Let me just say, I've been spending this whole week listening to the Lonnie Bro collection, listening to the singles, listening to the you know the features. We got to just start it off right. We already talked about it. It's one of his best songs ever. It's a huge song. I'm going with Chanel. My guy pretty like a girl And he got five stories to tell I see both sides like Chanel See on both sides like Chanel It was on my list too. I was like, do I pick it? Knowing that Cole is going to have it just so we can like have more songs. But I'm just like, I want it to be put in the record that I also pick Chanel. Yeah, I think no, that's I think that's right. I assume we're gonna we're gonna agree on this. I think all Frank Ocean fans love this song. I think I think it's a very valid choice to be in the running for the best Frank Ocean song of all time, even though it's not on an album. It's that good. So produced by Jamari, who also it's a Swedish production duo that also produced Biking and Lens. So apparently Frank was working quite a bit with this uh, duo during this time. It's got one of the best opening lines of the past decade i don't know like oh it is one of my favorite opening lines of just all time <laughs> it is perfect like my guy pretty like a girl and he got fight stories to tell just like a great writer first line gives you everything you need to know about the identity and the concept of this song contrasting you know the ma man with pretty and fight the masculine versus feminine and then he says i see both sides like chanel see on both sides like chanel and it's just like the, the melody, everything about the opening of the song is absolutely perfect. Of course, we get the the cool CC Chanel wordplay here. I think most people know this, but the Chanel logo has two opposing Cs combined together. Wait, are you? Please don't tell me you're about to do like Charles. This is a five entendre. This is a quintuple. No, entendre. it's it's only a triple entendre. <laughs> so we got we got the you know on the surface. The Chanel logo, two C's, but he also is seeing both sides. So he sees both sides. He sees the masculine and the feminine. So that's number two. And 
Fun fact, Coco Chanel herself was bisexual. So I don't know if that last one. Wait, what? Why that's else not a you... third. No, that's like a factoid. That's not a, that's not, that doesn't go in the triple one. You don't think he knew that about Coco Chanel? <laughs> I think this is a reach goal. Nah, I don't think so, man. I think that's so spot on. I don't, in my brain, it's like a hundred percent. There's no doubt about it. Anyways, <laughs> but we both agree this is a perfect opening line. I mean, there's so much to say about this. I have some, I have a little bit of a breakdown because I, so what's interesting is that we've been talking about Frank Ocean, Channel Orange and Nostalgia Ultra, which is early Frank, which is a very story driven Frank. And we're going to talk a lot about his, you know, creative switch with Blonde, but, you know, going to this song, it's so, um, not abstract because you, it's not, it's not totally free associative, but it's, it's not a story. It's kind of more of like a kaleidoscope, like like a composite of Frank's life. Like we're just getting the details of his day to day life, um, which is just so different than the more objective, channeling the emotion through story approach that he was so kind of focused on for Channel Orange and Nostalgia Ultra. That I don't know. It's just like it's it's like a painter, you know, like Picasso going through different phases of his you know, cubism and the blue period, like. Frank has those periods already in his music where it's like, oh, that was storyteller Frank. And now we, we've reached this different version of Frank. And with the next album, I'm sure it's going to be totally different. Um, so let me, I'll come back to some lyrics uh, that I want to point out, but yeah, this was on your list too. So, so make the case as well. I think I had to pick this because one of my favorite genres of music, like hyper-specific genres is the post-album Lucy where like a rapper just talks their shit. They're like, dog, I'm that nigga. Like, oh, right. you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, whenever yeah, yeah. like Kendrick yeah. has done it, Drake has done it. It's the yeah. one that didn't make the Tyler album. Tyler does it, yeah. But it's like they're getting something off their chest because I do think that if you know about Blonde and you know about Endless, you can tell that it was a very agonizing process for Frank. Not only, we'll talk about it later, but not only is he trying to separate himself from the Def Jam deal, but he has writer's block for over a year. And- Everything from Endless and Blonde feels very, very intentional. And Chanel just feels so loose. And like he's just having fun. And he just does not have that thing on his back that is forcing the song to be creative and daring and all of these things. Like right. it, it, this is a creative song. This is a daring song. But it's not, it's not, it doesn't have a million beat switches and layers on top of layers. It is Frank just rapping really, really well and very cleverly. And that's why I think you have to put it because sometimes the best art from artists is not the most complicated. Sometimes it's just the most direct. And this is just such a shot. Like this is just a shot in the veins, direct Frank Ocean song. There's no fat. I I love it for that. I also think it's like one of the funnier Drake song, uh, not Drake, but it does remind what me of What the fuck, dude? What the fuck? It does remind me of a Drake. <laughs> Drake? What are you talking about Drake on this podcast for? How whoa, dare you? Stop. Okay. <laughs> stop. All right. We're we're getting, what's the what's the new Drake album with the fucking dumbass title? It's about to be a classic. Oh, for my for, dogs? Oh, my God. For the dogs. For the dogs. <laughs> Can't wait to listen to that once and never again. Cole, can you let me be happy? Can you stop being negative? <laughs> I did rank in order the best lines from Chanel. Can I give them to you? Oh, shit. Okay. Hell yeah. All right. Number four. This isn't like, oh, that's a tight punchline. It's more so I'm just like, 
this is just like a tossed off line that just like paints a picture in just such with such a brevity but it says 2016 burnt some disc 2017 ideas playing off a of walkman it's just like oh it's sick yeah I, i'm just like it is such a like a little stunt which i like in verses right where it's just like it's not like he's telling y'all i'm the shit but it's low-key what he's telling us number three is a long one but i'm just like hey man i like this <laughs> Dick could roll the eyes back in the skull. Rolling when you ride, popping. Rolling when you ride, ride the rodman. Great. Like, I just love it. I love the internal <laughs> rhyme. I love the alliteration. Talk that shit, Frank. At number two, I'm going to put, I see both sides like Chanel, see on both sides like Chanel. Because arguably, this is the line of the song in terms of that's what people remember. But it is not as good as the number one. My guy pretty like a girl and he got five stories to tell. That is obviously the number one. Okay. Is the am I wrong in that in that assertion? Well, see, this is where I have a hard time even just separating the the two lines. To me, it's they're they're the same. So it's I can't even separate them. But I if forced to, yeah, that opening line is just immaculate. Absolutely immaculate. But the, I mean, it's the one of the greatest openings ever because we get those two phenomenal lines back to back and they work so well together so yeah i think i think that's you got it yeah you so got it. break down to me let's go in the cold square like break down to me what is it about chanel you love because i thought there was a very very big chance that you would not like this song oh really no i love it i, I feel like you don't like stunting songs you don't like you don't like that type. that's not your vibe okay but here's a th but but he, the way he does it i you can do anything on a song in a piece of art Whatever the, the the base of the idea is, I don't really care. If you execute it well, I'm going to respect it. And that's what he does here. Damn, I get why you love some Drake songs, you know? It doesn't matter what he's talking about. The execution is always <laughs> oh, Thank you, Cole. I agree. Keep thinking about Chanel. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, structurally, we have the refrain, see both sides like Chanel. That's the only. That's really the only thing that's holding this song together structurally. Because it doesn't have a chorus, but you actually think it does, weirdly but it's only those two lines. If he didn't have those in, I mean, those are like kind of placeholder bookmarks to just like anchor you in, but it's only one line. And if you, if you, and I didn't realize till this till I like sat down and like really studied what was going on. Like this song is crazy structurally. It starts with the half singing, half rap. And then, you know, he goes into that beautiful bridge section. It's really you that's on my mind and it's full singing. And then he gets into that really high pitch verse or whatever you want to call it where he says V both sides of the 12s steam both sides of the L and he's really like up in his high register like screaming it almost and then he does the refrain in the falsetto voice you know the C on both sides and Chanel but really high pitched and then the outro we get a whole new melody whole new bridge section where he's like you know my pocket swole um, that can't hold my seven you know it's like very melodic and probably the most catchiest part of the song comes last and never repeats it's just like it's just a full on like it's just one continuous verse almost and it just kind of mutates over time but it doesn't feel all over the place right it feels very contained and very very clean so just structurally it's like very masterful and subtly complex um but then like when i was taking a closer look at the lyrics it's like this idea of duality at least in like the first i noticed it mostly in the first kind of verse but he just does really interesting things lyrically that i that really the only other person that came to mind that I could compare it to was like how MF Doom 
writes his lyrics, which is like this hybrid of like stream of consciousness where one idea kind of just builds abstractly to the next. But then when you take a step back, you're like, oh, this all kind of like works together. And like, there is actually a central theme. And so let me just like quickly break down a few of those opening lines after the or, uh, you know opening refrain. He says, swimming laps through pool water, heated like I'm underworld. So he says this, the key thing here I wanted to focus on is like un- the, the idea of underworld. He's comparing his he- heated pool being underneath, like, you know, swimming to the depths of hell or some, you know, underwater where it's warm. But then he says, hide my tattoos in Shibuya, which like, if you think about it, when you're swimming, you're mostly naked uh, or you're, 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 at least your chest is exposed. Um, and so you see the, the, the loose correlation there. And then he says, police think I'm of the underworld. And so now he says he rhymes underworld with underworld, which is kind of weird, but it's like, okay, watch. He's, that's actually intentional because he's going to do this duality thing throughout where he uses the same word twice in different ways, two sides like Chanel. He says 12, treat an N-word like he's 12. So he just does it back to back 12, 12 with two different meanings. Um, and then he says, how are you looking up and talking down? So we get the duality of up, down there. Um, and then he can't see... Can't you see that I'm the big man, God level, I am the I am, which is again, I am, I am, 12, 12, underworld, underworld. And it all goes back to this concept of duality that he laid out in the, in the beginning with the two sides of Chanel. So it's like, it sounds like he's just kind of riffing, but it's like, oh, when you really look into it, of course, Frank is being extremely brilliant in the songwriting. It's like we... You think about Channel Orange and like some of those stories are so virtuosic in terms of its composition and its writing. But if like you, there's an argument here that this is just as nuanced and complex and thought out as those more conceptual songs. So just some details that I think that I definitely overlooked when I just am just enjoying the song casually. And when I just took a closer look, I was just amazed. I was like, of course, of course, Frank is going to is being brilliant. We just aren't really recognizing it. As always, Cole, you are brilliant. Like you, Thank you, you sir. are brilliant. Nothing you said was wrong, but I'm here to ask the tough questions. Do we ding okay. Chanel at all as a song for having the line with a cup in a cup activist? That's a double edge. It's a knife. Where <laughs> it's a knife. You know where I'm like Frank. Double edged sword. Come on, duality. Come on, he's doing yeah, it. Yeah, but that's one of those lines that every <laughs> rap song like of this type has. Like this to me is basically a rap song, where you're just like, damn. There's that one punchline that was like almost aged like an avocado when it was released, and you look back now, you're like, man, <laughs> we could have kept this one off. Off. You feel me? <laughs> that's my only gripe. That's my only gripe with Chanel. Okay. Didn't really age well. The song right, did right. the it's a knife mention, not not. Good. <laughs> all right. Well, we both agree on Chanel. I love it. We're off to a great start. So I'm going to throw it back to you for your first, I guess your second pick, but your first original pick. We have to get it out of the way because I'm so afraid that we picked two of the same songs. I'm pretty sure we probably did, but let's hear it. And we can't do that. Cole, please don't tell me you picked Slide. By Calvin Harris. Oh no, I, I did not. You I did, did it? Not. Hell fucking yeah. Slide is amazing. Do you slide on all your nights like this? Do you try on all your nights like this? Here's the thing. Slide is a core memory for me mm. because uh the year that this dropped, I was fucking drunk all the time. And for some reason, 
New York DJs would just play this every single time I was at the peak of my tipsiness. Like I would just be drinking a cocktail. I'm like, dog, they're playing slide. And every single time I was just like, <laughs> this is the best song that's ever been created. <laughs> so this that is my core memory of being like a dumb 20 something. I'd be like, damn, I just want to go out and get fucked up tonight. And maybe the DJ will play slide. <laughs> Okay, so Charles, Charles, you consider this a Frank Ocean song, or do you figure it's like a Frank Ocean feature? He is the intro. He's the chorus. He has a verse. And then like Quavo and Offset come in. That is like, that means it's your song. So, uh, so it's, okay, so it's Frank Ocean produced by Calvin Harris featuring Migos in your mind. To me, that's like, that's how yeah. I like. That makes sense. I know that yeah. like in the industry, we're like, it's a DJ Khaled song. I'm like, Motherfucker, if Justin no, Bieber no. is singing on this shit and got a verse, it's a Justin Bieber song and DJ Khaled just pulled some strings. And like, I like Calvin Harris. I like Funkwave, Bounces, Volume 1. Like, Calvin Harris is talented. He's a talented producer. I guaranteed he had a lot to do with this song. But, but, when the voice comes out of the speaker, I'm like, this is a Frank Ocean song. I'm not like, oh, Calvin <laughs> Harris is on. You know what I'm saying? I've never done that. Drunk yeah. Charles has never been like, throw on that Calvin Harris joint, you know? <laughs> anyway, I think the reason that I like Slide is that I was thinking about this today in the middle of a PB&J, setting the mood for you, setting the vibe for the listeners, okay? I was just like, I think the Frank's Achilles heel as a songwriter is that what it make what it takes to make a great universal song usually means you're picking the right choice and not the best choice or the most interesting one and i think frank mm, yeah. 9 times out of 10 cannot help himself to choose the most interesting way to do something which usually yeah. is not the catchiest like to make a great pop song requires repetition the audience the listener needs to know where you're going you want to get that high and low of them like all right that chorus was sick when's it coming when's it coming i'm waiting for it oh shit it's here you get to the bridge this bridge is dope the chorus is about to come that high you want that shit most frank ocean songs like we just talked about chanel chanel doesn't have that chanel almost feels aimless and non-linear in its approach it is not a pop song in the traditional sense Slide is like Calvin Harris knows how to do this. He knows how to yeah, make yeah. this type of shit. The course from Frank is probably his most, one of his most simple. It's just, do you slide on all your nights like this? Do you try on all your nights like this? I'm like, okay, we got it. We're in, we're out. Right. He's not doing too much texturally. A lot of Frank Ocean's best songs, my favorite songs of his, he's doing so many things with his voice. He's singing in falsetto. He's lethargic. He's rapping. Okay. He's pitching his voice up. He's pitching his voice down. You're hearing two vocals pan at the same time. It's like, right. it's music critic catnip, but it's the reason when I tell people blonde is one of my favorite albums. They're like, who, what, you know, <laughs> like normal people. Cole, you are aware that like blonde is not that popular of an album. Like the normies don't fuck with blonde. What do the normies know? Come on though. They, all you could this is like a, a litmus test out blonde is a litmus test album to me if you like blonde you have great taste no that's music. not true there's people who hate blonde who have great taste i don't know man i just don't know like i honestly yeah i think so i think i could turn on blonde if like i love blonde it's one of my favorite albums of all time but if you wanted me to be a hater for an episode like like i could <laughs> i think 
I think. But anyway, back to Slide. Yeah, I think Slide works just because it's it's one of the rare times I think that a producer had enough power in the equation to know exactly when to pull Frank back um, and mm, to just deliver yeah. what needs to be delivered, which is a perfect a perfect slice of like pot pie and like right every single time i hear this song i do wonder what is the version of frank's career that is even five percent more in this direction i'm not saying he has a better or more interesting career but would he have more songs in his discography that you're like okay like I can listen to this. I can like Chanel and Slide are two sides of the same coin for me. I'm like I can just listen to this in a way I can't just listen to Bad Religion every day. I I just can't do that. Yeah, well, you make a great point about a producer's input and a, a producer with I'm assuming Frank respected since he did a song with him and that that's pretty rare for Frank. Because yeah, you think about Blonde Endless, it's like Frank was the producer on the, you know what I mean? He was working with other musicians, but it's not like he brought in Rick Rubin and like, or had some visionary come in and sculpt the album. Like, pretty sure he did that with his own hands for the most part, you know. And yeah, that's a that's a really great point because I think what you need, call it a feature or whatever you want to call the song, but one of the great things about features is that you can showcase a side of yourself that you might not want to showcase on your own your own stuff. And you think back to like nostalgia ultra jays or the lonnie bro collection where he's a songwriter you listen to those songs and it's like very 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 clear if frank ocean wanted the type of career that you're alluding to he could have done it he was a brilliant songwriter he could make the hooks when he needed to he he usually did that for other people because he wasn't personally interested in putting out that kind of music yeah but had he worked with a you know a strong production team had he gone the traditional route i have no there's no doubt in my mind he would could be one of the biggest artists on the planet you know like he has the capacity and the talent to do that um but yeah to your point i mean slide i love slide i'm glad you picked it because it's definitely it's not on my list but i love the song it's probably one of my most list like this okay this would be a playlist song for me oh word you you're giving it that distinction cole this would be a playlist song for you yeah yeah if you're gonna make like a party mix like this would be a perfect quality non-cheesy party mix this is the exact kind of song that i would put on it on a mix like that cole this is a special special moment in podcasting history you said this would be a song that you would play at a party and i want to award you the first anti-scaring the hose award like that is a, <laughs> i've never been like okay yes cole this is an appropriate song to play when company is over play slide everybody will enjoy themselves no one wants to listen to in rainbows you know <laughs> on, on like a saturday night when we're all trying to get fucked up you know it's just a different type of vibe and i like in rainbows i like in rainbows guys but this is how do you feel how do you feel about this award the anti-scaring the hose award that's good. Maybe I should. Okay. Maybe for the finale is I'll make you a Cole's party playlist and you can judge me on it. Is that a good idea? There's nothing more in my life that I want to do with my time than judge your party play. Like I want to know <laughs> what songs you think are appropriate for people to like be playing together, but you have to set the vibe, what type of party it is. We're going to have a long conversation about this, but promise me this. And then we can go to your song. Whatever the playlist is, it has to be for public consumption. Everybody has to get to see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Hell yeah. yeah. We'll do Let's it. fucking go. Let's fucking go. <laughs> All right. So I picked Slide. 
what were you going with? One last thing on the slide, only because it's one of my favorite Frank Ocean lines ever, is the opening line, empty my bank account, buy the boy with the pipe. Like, such a flex, referencing a Picasso painting. Dope. Like, that is catnip for me. Uh, so my next pick, I thought this is the one that we we're definitely going to agree on. I'll be surprised if it's not on your list because I think it's in contention for one of, for the be- best Frank Ocean song of all time, Biking. I don't get weak in the knees, honey spread like a fan, perfect like some Gucci sand, open the sky, get a handful, torch some marked up like a vandal. How you not fucking with cash? God give you what you can handle. Give you what you can handle. Be real. What do you mean be real? Be real with yourself. Be real with the audience. Biking was never going to touch my list. And that is not because like biking is a bad song. It is not a bad song. Biking is a fine song. I have not thought about biking until we were doing this experiment. What? It it was a song at the moment where I was just like, of course it has a Jay-Z verse that is God awful. Like there, there, this cannot be in contention when the whole verse is this bad. And this was a point where I was just like, yo, Hove, I love you, bro. Like I will love you forever. You're the goat. Negro, stop. Okay. Like the fact that you have, please tell me it's at least, I like biking solo. I do like the biking solo version way better than I like the ASAP Rocky J version. Okay. So that was a big debate in my own head. And I even asked some friends about it, especially for this exercise. I do think I prefer biking solo. Hell yeah. I really appreciate the biking with the features just because it's a really cool concept and everyone gives their own iteration of what biking means. It's like very cool. And it's, and it's Tyler J and, and (laughs) Frank on the same track. Beautiful. What are you laughing at? It's a really cool concept. I'm I'm like, no, bro. I've seen, I've seen Jay-Z ride a bike. Like Jay-Z was cursed at birth. Like God was just like, hey man, I'm going to make you one of the greatest artists of all time. You're also going to marry Beyonce. The only, like the only downside is any single time you are photographed doing any type of physical exertion, you will look like the biggest dweeb on the planet. And I'm sorry, Jay, I want to go to the Rock Nation brunch. I really, really do. I'm sorry to not blacklist me, Rock Nation. I will sell my soul to you. But no, like a, like a song called Biking with Jay-Z on it is like a cursed proposition. I'm sorry. <laughs> please tell me you're picking the solo version. Just please. Uh, yeah. In this exercise of Last Song Standing, I am picking the Frank solo version. Okay, cool. I'm less mad. Okay, here's why I love it. Here's why I love it. You clearly don't love it as much as me. Fine. <laughs> this song. Okay. You know what text painting is in, in music? It's it's when the music and a lot of times like the melody will sound like what it's saying. So if you're saying, I feel high and you sing that with a high note you know you go high on the word high or you go low on the you know the the word low that's text painting okay to me like this this entire song feels like you're biking somehow this acoustic guitar feels like you're on a bike i don't know if you get that but from the the moment the song starts and he says the, the brilliant opening line arm stretch a t like i nailed it i feel like i'm on a bike and it's just like this joyous euphoric like free kind of song it's like it just makes me feel so warm and so good it it's like it's like what he did with channel orange which was like channeling emotion through song one specific motion i think that's what he's doing with biking and like the song the, the emotion the feeling is the freedom that you feel on a bike and mostly when you're an adolescent that feeling of freedom leaving your house being on your own for the first time 
and just feeling like the world was so open. And that's the feeling that I get when I when I listen to this song. It has some really, really beautiful lines. That first line, arm stretch a T like I nailed it. So the service level play is like you you nail a trick on a bike and you, you know, classic pose is like lifting your arms up. But he's also evoking Jesus. Arm stretch a T like I nailed it, nailed to the cross with a, you know, as a T like a cross. You also get the T t-shirt the wind you know the breeze which goes into the raft moving slow like a creep talking about so we're already in triple entendre territory bring it home we going five we going four we going where we going cue my music kevin oh it's time for cole's special two-part conspiracy corner all right so in this segment I give Charles one of my wildest, most outlandish theories about a line or a part of a song, and he tells me if I'm full of shit or not. All right, so question number one, two interrelated questions. Is grip in the line, I got the grip like the handle, a quadruple entendre? All right, let me, for some context, let me read a couple lines around it. All right, can we get some, can we get some sound effects in post? Kevarina, we'll do like a ding or an ah. So give give me each entendre and I'll do a yay or nay. Okay, all right. So let me get some context. Here's the lines before and after. How you not fucking with cash? God gave you what you can handle. Gave you what you could handle. I got the grip like the handle and I'm biking. I'm biking with me and my Daniel. Okay, so grip, quadruple entendre. Number one, handlebar grips. All right, that's a yay. That's it. That's a ding. That's a, okay, got it. Okay, I got the grip like the handle is a grip on his life. Tying back to the previous line, God gave you what you ha- can handle. So I got the grip. I got a grip on my life. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to argue that one. I think. I think that can go. That's a safe yay. That's a ding. Okay, number three. Recall the line. How you not fucking with cash? I got the grip. A grip of money. Of course, obviously, that's a that's an automatic. You are acting like these were out outlandish. These are both three like solid. Is the fourth the one that I'm gonna have to just? So how about re- recall the next line? I'm biking with me and my Daniel. I got the grip on the handle. What do you grip in a sexual position with a Daniel? Does he have the grip on? You might put a you know a, a Homer cock ring on this. Oh! <laughs> yeah repeat it for me one more time because i'm like i'm trying okay. to be very nice okay i got the grip like the handle i'm biking with me and my daniel he's gripping something and then he talks about biking with him and a guy wait cole are you saying that daniel is a is a real man my daniel means like my boy he's saying my i'm biking with me and my boy me and my boyfriend my daniel all right, so let me okay, let me give you the part two. This is like the the real. If that was the better one. I am so excited for what the worst one is. <laughs> well, it ties it ties into this the 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 suspect fourth entendre and that we just talked about. This is not my theory. Well, I didn't get I didn't make this theory up. It's a, it's a internet thing. But does biking also mean by king the by king? The bisexual king. 
We talking about bisexual kings on the pod now? Oh, hell yeah. Let's turn the fuck up. <laughs> Let's get dissected. Dog, people need to chill, bro. This is, no. Like, all right. I love Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean is a genius. That is why I think that he knows just in terms of just like general coolness and non-corniness by King. I like is just yeah no it it don't it don't hit the ear the way you want it i think this is a song about bikes (laughs) you know what i'm saying like perfect example like chanel i see on both sides like chanel is like it is wild like that is like a great rap verse to talk about sexuality like it is just like all right cool like he is spitting that is a genius frank ocean walking into into the studio and be like hey y'all you know what I'm really into bi- biking. I'm also <laughs> yo biking. Hey. <laughs> My man would, he, he would not do that. <laughs> Frank Ocean is like listening to this podcast. And be like, That's exactly what I meant. No, I agree with you. I don't. It's clever. And like, I give the fans credit for like trying, but that does seem too corny for Frank to like actually try to do that. I also think that this is just because, in terms of. R&B, black music, R&B is something that is very, very, very hyper-masculine. I think sometimes because Frank Ocean was definitely at the vanguard of being a young black performer, uh, announcing his queerness to the world, that sometimes the fan base reads into stuff where I'm just like, guys, like, Frank can be queer and every line does not have to be about that. Like every line doesn't have to be about a specific relationship or moment or like Frank is not Taylor Swift in that way. I don't think his lyrics are like, here's the secret code that you need to understand. Like he's a complex songwriter, but not in that way. I'm going to take us to our next segment because it ties in perfectly with this sentiment. But before that, let's recap first round, both you and I picked Chanel. Second round, we deviated a little bit. Can you remind the listeners what you picked? I got biking. And I have the way superior song, Slide. Feeling good. We have one more song to pick. But before that, let's throw it to a break. And we'll be back very, very soon. All right, we are back. And I'm going to hit y'all with a little bit of hot tea. A crack rock take, if you will. This is the part in the show where I give Justin and my wonderful, wonderful co-host, Cole, one of my half-baked takes, and they have to weigh in on it. Crack, rock, crack, rock takes. And I'm going with one that I've always held close to my heart, but no one ever wanted to admit. Guys, does Frank Ocean have any musical chemistry with Tyler, the creator? They have a lot of songs together. Like, a lot of Frank's biggest songs are also Tyler songs. And not once for this entire exercise did I ever, was I ever like, yeah, I'm going to go with one of the Tyler Frank joints. And this is nothing against Tyler or Frank. It is more so I feel like we think that their chemistry is higher because they're from the same collective. They have a lot of music together. I think they share a lot of sensibilities in terms of like aesthetic and what they're interested in talking about. Cole, do you think I'm out of my mind? This is probably your hottest take on the show ever. Really? You're going to get so much shit for this. Okay, I'm just going to point you to two songs more one more than the other but where this flower blooms on flower boy i'm aware of it by tyler the creator featuring frank ocean is amazing 
Frank does a perfect chorus for that song. And then you got one of Tyler's most coveted, long-lasting songs in She from Goblin featuring Frank. She from Goblin is a curse song. That is like a like that is a song we should have left in the past. But okay, but I will give you this. For the amount of the times that they have worked together, you would think there would be more kind of cla- quote unquote classic tracks from them. That's what I'm saying. They have two. I can't take that away from you. The two that you mentioned, I'm just like, yes, absolutely. Some people might be like, what about Oldie? And I'm just like, don't bring up fucking Oldie. Okay? <laughs> Stop. It's 2023. But I'm saying like, when we think of like the Drake, think of Drake and The Weeknd or Jay-Z and Kanye or like duos that we know or even like a Kanye or a John Legend like people that were like they've made a lot of music together and the music has been good but there's not as many as you would think uh, what we'll ask Justin to weigh in Justin is this a terrible take or am I cooking with a little bit of grease I don't think they have a classic I don't think they have a, like a classic together they have a couple okay songs like even if you look at something like uh Mr. Lonely 911 like that sounds all right Right, but it's not a classic. Is there a single Frank and Tyler featuring song that people are like, "Yeah, man, this is my shit." General populace. I'll just say live, she goes goes pretty hard. People go kind of crazy for that song. All right, all right. That that was my hot take. I was just like, "This will be lukewarm." I was surprised that you were. That was a great one. I actually like that because it was. It's because on the surface when you first said it, I was like, "Damn, that's pretty wild." But then you, yeah, you go through the the list and it's maybe not as strong as you think, given. The stature of both artists. I get your point. So now it's time for our final songs. All right. Who wants to go first? Do you want to go first or should I do the honors? Let me hear what you got. So this one is one from my heart. Okay. Love it. I think the thing that I miss most about being a teenager is like having a lack of taste when I was like, oh my gosh, every single song that I listen to is the best song of all time. Like, I wish I could go back to that version of myself. I was listening to dog shit music and I thought that I had like discovered (laughs) something like something that no one else had about the human condition. I missed those times. This song is not dog shit. It's just, it was funny going back to a song that affected me so much back then. And now I'm like, this still is like a perfect song to me, but it's not where Frank would end up. I have to go with Acura Inner Girl. Oh my God. I love this song. I don't like this song. You don't like it. I don't like this song. You weren't out in the streets like that. You weren't out in the streets. (laughs) I think that this song, and not not the long, there's been a bunch of bullshit versions, but the song. It's like under two minutes, right? No, the one that Frank uploaded himself, that's like a minute and a half, two minutes, like the short joint. That's the one I'm talking about. Okay. The other song, there was one that was released by the the song's producer. He actually said, he had a fun story, Dre Knight on SoundCloud, where he said, one summer night, Frank Ocean came by with Alicia Bella. I played him this track I created years prior, and he wrote what would become Acura in a Girl on the spot. He recorded himself, and I was happy about that because I was exhausted. When he was done with the verse and chorus, he played it for Tish Hyman and I. I looked at him and said, sounds good. Tish looked at him and said, it sucks. <laughs> I never saw Frank Ocean again, LOL. <laughs> but what's crazy about this song, we talked about this in another episode. This song was supposed to be on the official Nostalgia Light album that Def Jam was going to drop. And it sounds like a song to me where I'm like, 
this song almost does a better job than any on Nostalgia Ultra Proper at tying up the theme of what that song is, what the vibe of that project is. Uh, because this song is dedicated to one of Frank's cars that he drove. It has that feeling of a young person, exactly what I was explaining. When you're young and you have like no taste and you're he's singing about like, putting a girl onto like Lil Wayne and being surprised. She's like, oh, you like Lil Wayne? I'm listening to Lil Wayne and UGK. You listening to U2? I'm like, Frank, a bunch of motherfuckers listen to U2. But it's delivered with like such this beautiful sense of sentiment. Yeah, he believes it, yeah, for sure. And he believes it. He is selling yeah. this. And yeah. this is a song that you write in your early 20s. Yeah. And it's also, it has that thing that I like most in Frank Ocean songs where... I'm going to talk about a song very, very soon that is so sparse. Frank actually, to me, sometimes is at his best when he's just over a piano melody or a string melody. A lot of times there's not really, there's not really a drum pattern. There's no drums anywhere. I remember the, the feeling when Blonde and Endless came out, a bunch of motherfuckers are like, where's the drums? <laughs> yeah. And over time, I've like... I've softened to that take being like, sometimes I just want Frank Ocean like singing in a falsetto and believing that the emotion that he's feeling is the most important emotion that has ever been expressed by human society. I think one of his most beautiful lyrics is, I wrote a letter to the sky saying, maybe one day you'll get to kiss me. I was just like, the way he says it, it sounds corny reading it, but the way he sings it and sells it to you as a listener it just did something to me when I was young and I'm going to allow myself one nostalgia pick. <laughs> it has to be this one. So Cole, I know that you can get into the Acura bag. I know you have the corny R&B song bag in you. Yeah, well, okay. I'm not going to shit on your pick. It's not my personal favorite. I don't think it stands up as a great song, objectively speaking, but it does showcase what you pointed out brilliantly in a, maybe the Channel Orange episode, which is Frank as a songwriter trying to write for other people often was hard for him because the, what he was writing only he could sell. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that antidote that you gave saying that this person said this song sucked because if he's trying to write it for someone else and they're they're like, I'm not taking this song. What, is, what are you talking about on this song? But when you listen to Frank's version, you believe it. And so it's not for me, but I, I appreciate the vulnerability, I appreciate the the sentiment. So I'm not going to shit on it. I'm going to, okay. Can I go to my pick? Are you done with the- uh, Yeah, yeah, go to your pick. Okay. Okay, so, well, let, let me just, just name some songs that I was really debating. So shout out to Provider, brilliant song. Shout out to Lens, shout out to Dear April. Lens almost made it, bro. Lens was Dude. the one, I almost made it, but I was just like, Oh man, I'm I I'm the only person on the in the world who like Lens. <laughs> no, I, that's a under that's a sneaky great song. Um, I think it maybe because it came out after these really really great songs that it kind of felt like the lesser. It came after Biking. Moment. It came after yeah. Chanel. It got a little Lens got a little bit lost. I would say yeah. even like in my room, which was like later. I love in my room. Got a little lost in the shuffle. Yeah, yeah. So, Dear April, beautiful song. Okay, Orion. For anyone that has not listened to Orion, just go to YouTube and listen to it. It is about his brother, his little brother, written well, you know, well before his brother passed away, which was just a few years ago. Rest in peace. A beautiful, 
beautiful dedication to his little brother. It's really hard to listen to knowing what would happen to him, but just knowing that Frank was so sweet to him back then before anything happened, didn't write the song after his passing, wrote it 10, 10, 12 years ago. It's just, it's such a beautiful song. It, it does evoke, it does like that. It's not usually the kind of song that I would like, but just the sentiment of it is so sweet. I just had to shout that out. There's a song called Blue Whale everyone should go listen to. It's produced by Pharrell and Frank is rapping, and but it's in 2012. Really interesting listen. But I have to go with this brilliant song that I really just rediscovered hours before taping this. I had heard it like when maybe when I was doing the Frank season as I was kind of like just listening to everything and I forgot about it. I'm so glad I came upon it again today. I'm going with Wise Man. But your mother would be proud of you. So, Wise Man, for people that don't know, interesting backstory, came out in 2015. So it's post-Channel Orange, but pre-Blonde, I believe. And it was written to use in Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained. Quentin Tarantino said he loved the song, couldn't find a scene for it. And then he said, quote, I could have thrown it in quickly just to have it, but that's not why he wrote it and not his intention. So I didn't want to cheapen his effort. The song is fantastic, and when Frank decides to unleash it on the public, then they'll realize it then. So Frank does release this independently on his Tumblr. Um, it is such a fucking brilliant song. I haven't really got to dive into the lyrics, um, but it's very, like, you can tell it's very heady. There's a lot of, like, conceptual stuff going on. Um, but it's like, it's such, it, so it reminded me of this quote by John Lennon. John Lennon said, I'm an artist, and if you give me a tuba, I'll bring you something out of it. Meaning, I can make something out of nothing. You can give me fucking anything in the world, and I'll make you something great out of it. I'm an artist. That's what I do. If you listen to this song, Wise Man, it's like a single electric guitar for most of the song, and it's just plucking these single notes back and forth. Like, the simplest, the simplest, it's like you can barely even hear chord. It's just like single notes. And then Frank builds this like entire world around this bare minimum musical texture without barely any harmony. And then it explodes into this these choruses, which like you get these like beautiful swelling strings. And then he says this, this line repeats over and over. He says, I bet your mother would be proud of you. And he sings it in this huge falsetto voice. And it's just one of those lines where it's like, it's not the clever Frank Ocean line, but it's like one of those lines that's surrounded by really abstract and heady lyrics. And then you get the one that everyone is going to feel. I bet, you know, I bet your mother would be proud of you. It's just such a beautiful moment, moment in the song. And then you get to the bridge. It is one of the most beautiful moments in a Frank Ocean song across his entire discography of this bridge. If we could play just a little bit of it here, just listen how beautiful this is. To, to survive and thrive in the jungle. Maybe hearts were made to pump blood. Maybe lungs were made for flood. Just absolutely gorgeous, right? He's singing this falsetto voice, beautiful chords behind him. I gave you the song. Did you get to listen to it before we recorded? I'm curious to know your thoughts. Are you in love with it as much as I am? This is one of those songs where I was instantly like, I can understand why Cole likes this. Like this scratches every one of his itches. And I like the middle part of this. I do. Yeah. I yeah. like the middle part of this. 
the wise man closed his mouth, madman closed his fifth fist whole intro part, that part. It's weird. It's not great. Like it's, it's it is bad. it is very, very, very movie soundtrack type thing. Where it's just like this is the type like that's the bit that you would like play in like a trailer and you're like, yo, Frank Ocean's on this trailer. Oh my god, <laughs> Jamie Foxx is in this movie. Like I <laughs> I don't hate this song. I don't. It just does feel very movie soundtracky to me in a way that I'm like, okay, all right, well, this is this is a song. This is a song. Okay, last thing on it. It's really cool because we didn't get much music between Channel Orange and Blonde or Endless too, right? Like Frank just kind of went silent. I think maybe he did some features, but for the most part, he wasn't like releasing singles and stuff. So it's really cool to listen to it as one of the rare songs that we know that was written in between that period because it showcases the weirdness and the just the kind of abstraction of Blonde in terms of the music instruments and, and the instrumentation that he chooses. Very sparse, very weird, atypical st- choices. And then, but lyrically, it's very Channel Orange and it's like, you know, that, that feels, the lyrics feel more of Frank Ocean of Channel Orange than they do of Blonde. Very conceptual, you know. That is a great point. You know what this reminds, this reminds me of like, a b-side to like no church in the wild in terms right, of like right yeah yeah that point in frank's career where he's writing epic stories instead of building epic songs if that makes any sense right yeah where it's like the stuff that makes blonde epic isn't the grandiose nature of the lyrics a lot of times right. it is the yeah. like it is the entire package that is a great point <laughs> Of like understanding the song now. Like I have more appreciation for it now. Yeah. If anyone hasn't heard this song, go listen to it. It's it's really good. So but that's it. I think we're done. Are we done with the nominations? Yard, you picked Wise Man. I pick Acura Inner Girl. You have the first pick. What are you going with? Oh man, dude. This is really hard because I came into this episode not knowing which usually I have like a good idea, like, okay, I'm leaning towards this song. We'll talk it out, see if I still feel the same way at the end of the episode. I came in here equally convinced about biking and Chanel. And you know what? Oh, dude, okay, see, this is where the strategy comes in because I know you love Chanel too, but I also know you like Slide. It feels like Chanel needs to go on there, but I want to, but biking needs to go on there too. So I do, I just claim. I'm I'm going to pick Chanel if you don't pick Chanel. Like it's fine. Like I feel the strong, the most strongly about Chanel. That was why I went with like two of my like, these are just my jams because I'm like, if we're doing a Lucy's thing, like we can be like wink, wink, cute about it. But Chanel is one of those choices. And if I'm being objective, bro, biking is also one of the ones. Like, it, even if it's not for me, I think a lot of people love it for good reasons. I'm just an asshole. <laughs> I think leaving this with Chanel and biking is way better than leaving this with Chanel and slide. How do you, th- how do you feel about that? Yeah. I've, okay. Cause uh, yeah, if I, Pick Chanel, then you're forced to take slide. I don't want that to happen. So I'm picking biking. Final answer. I'll pick Chanel. I'm feeling good okay. about that. All right. Because here's the thing. I can I will I will tolerate an argument with you about biking. Like I will talk like at the, our Royal Rumble, if you want to put it up against like some nostalgia ultra songs, like some channel orange songs, we can have that conversation. We can you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Slide, yeah. I'm like, it's still to your point, it's only so far that it can get as a Calvin Harris song. It's only gonna get so far. All right, guys, I picked Chanel. Cole, you picked biking. That's not all we have today. We have to talk about Endless. But 
before we talk about Endless, we got to go to a little ad break. We'll be back very soon. All right, welcome back to this special double episode of Last Song Standing. Cole, let's jump right into it. How do we talk about Endless? That's a good question. It's uh, it's hard to wrap your head around Endless. I had I have a better sense of it returning to it than I did probably I've ever had. I, I studied the concept. I get more of the album, what it was going for, what the art piece was going for. I have like more of a, a respect for it than I ever have, actually. But... Just in the nature, we probably should just just get into like how it was released because I feel like because Blonde came out the next day, Endless has always been like the stepsister, the redheaded stepchild, or whatever that phrase is, to Blonde. Part of that was Frank's fault in terms of how he released it. I mean, if we part of it is also it seemed like a middle finger to Def Jam, even if I don't know if that's what it was. But if we're if we go back to 2015, essentially that this project. When it drops, I remember it being hysteria because it's like, oh my gosh, Frank is back. And then that hysteria almost cooling in real time because Endless is a very is a very vibe-heavy record. And the first time most people were listening to it, you're watching it on Apple Music. Frank had made this deal. And he's building this staircase in real time. And it is part visual album art piece almost. Yeah. And what we learn is he ends up doing a New York Times interview with John Caramonica, you know, very, very quickly because Blonde obviously comes out. And to your point, Endless almost overnight becomes the redheaded stepchild because A, if you wanted to listen to the album, it's not like you could just go on the DSPs and just listen to Endless. You had to watch the whole video. Mm, yeah. And then throughout the years, if you wanted to listen to Endless Legally, you had to buy it from Frank in vinyls or different packages. I'd listen to vinyl today uh, through less legal means. But that is also what makes it such a hard record to wrap your head around because he releases it essentially as the last project through his Def Jam deal and he had said in this New York Times interview that he had spent a couple years at this point trying to buy back all of his masters trying to buy his way out of this deal and when Blonde comes out Blonde almost overnight becomes the oh no this is the album that he really wanted to make this is his first independent album this is the real Frank Ocean and Endless almost recedes uh, in the popular consciousness was all of that fair, Cole? Yeah, that's that's how it played out. It was, you know, that he called it a chess, a, a seven-year chess match with Def Jam. It's exactly almost forty-five minutes for it's forty-five minutes and fifty-two seconds long. Forty-five minutes is usually the standard length to fulfill a full-length project in, in a record contract. So it's like he made it ex- bare minimum in terms of project length. Um, so it, yeah, I mean, it's and it almost feels like. I'm, I'm sure he's proud of it, but it is, there is something like fuck you about handing Def Jam. It's all, it's very clever in, in terms of like, I'm going to give the major label like an art piece to release and I'm going to release the one that they want. Like it's, an it's art such piece a piece that to this day, it's not like it's I hard to, to listen to and listen yeah. to it. Like exactly. if I'm going to listen to endless, either I'm watching the whole thing or I am listening to people who have uploaded it on like SoundCloud. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's, 
that's definitely like the biggest hurdle I think for endless is legacy where you, you know, Frank Ocean cult following, you know, the, the, the hard, hardcore fans. I know they like endless. They love, some of them love endless, but you're talking to nine times, nine out of 10 Frank Ocean fans probably listen to endless. What? One or two times, maybe. I might listen to it once every couple years. Like I'm like, oh, endless exists, and I listen to it, and then it's not the one that I go back to ever. It's just, and it's not realistic, really. It's like, it's, 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 it is hard. There is an obstacle, you know, an objective kind of obstacle to listening to this project, you know. Um, but that almost gave me more respect for the project when I was like revisiting it because it is such a fuck you, but it also is like Frank solidifying himself as a bona fide artist essentially making a score to his own film you know i think a lot my perception of and even experience of the record really changed when i just allowed it to be what it was and i wasn't coming in with the expectations of like song 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 chorus give me yeah you know if you wipe away those expectations if you stop comparing it to blow and it's and you just allowed to exist as, as it was meant to exist it's really enjoyable. I, it's a, it's you know I, you say I don't like vibe music, which is usually true, but this is definitely a a, a piece you can throw on to just create an atmosphere, um, which seemed purposeful. And I think because Frank Ocean is a musician, and we think of him that way, I think we expect the music to be the main centerpiece of anything that he releases with music in it. I'm sure in his head, the music is equally or less important than the visuals. The visuals, I think, are equally important to Endless as a project. And the concept of what the visuals mean, I think, is is Endless. I think the core of Endless is the visual component of it, not so much the music. The music is the ambient texture around this visual concept that he was he was going for. So before we pick a song off Endless that we're taking into the Royal Rumble, can you like walk me through the video staircase and what you think it maybe means to this album and just the greater thing that Frank was trying to say about Endless and the Frank Ocean project. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of, you know, I don't have a, 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 a as good of a grip conceptually as and maybe as other projects, but I do think I have some of the, the basics. So people forget that when he originally started streaming this, him building a staircase, it was actually on his website first. And it was 140 hours long, literally. Like they streamed the entire process. What we see in the 45 minute version, obviously, is is very truncated. But so like that's the piece. The the collaborator, are, um, what's his name, Tom Sachs, said that is actually endless. Is the 140 hour life? They call it a life stream, not a live stream, a life stream. Um, so the idea, I think, is doing something with your hands, doing something difficult. Um, and contrasting that with modern technology. So Tom Sachs is who built the big boombox piece that you see in the background of Endless. And he gave an interview where he gave some insights on the concept that really opened it up for me. He said, quote, we're living in an age of non-handmade things. The iPhone is the best made thing there is, but there's no evidence of a human being being involved with it. Frank's music, which is very personal and literally has a, his voice, is the same way that all musicians have their voice. It simply takes time. And when you see the video, you see him building a stairway to heaven in real time. And so it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a, a, a resistance to like this, you know, fast consuming culture is like 
this the, the idea of doing something difficult that's going to take take you a very long time to do um and that being meaningful and that's how you kind of build meaning and also the idea of like a life stream building your way up to heaven that's essentially you could call everyone's life is an attempt to build a staircase to heaven right um so i think that's part of it and um he also said the spiral staircase is an endless column and it's a, a direct reference to a roman sculptor named constantine brancusi i think is what his name is he has a piece called the endless column which is a 98 foot sculpture that goes up into the sky that supposedly in, uh, symbolizes infinity but i think okay so here's where i think the key to the project lies so we see for like 40 minutes frank building this staircase and the climactic moment of the film should be him climbing the staircase right if you remember he goes to climb the mu- goes to climb the staircase and the music really starts to get intense and it, sh- it shows him climbing 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 and and it cuts before he gets to the top and then it just shows him staircase is gone and it shows him starting to clean up which is the that's the entire project to me it's not about the thing that you make it's it's the process that you did to make it which is a metaphor for life which is like it's not the destination it's the journey it's 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 you know pushing the proverbial rock up the hill it's it's about the process and it's the about process, things that we create. It, the process of making art is endless. Yeah. And that's probably why he's like, I don't want this out in the world. In ter- in like any real way, like I want endless to be a project that is continuously happening is the best yeah. reading I could give of the weirdness. And then um, it makes sense that then you, the, the project ends with not his own song, but a song called Device Control by Wolfgang Tillmans. And it's all about technology. It ends with it saying, your life can be streamed in endless communication. We will all show interest in everybody's life. Your life can be streamed, life. Your life can be streamed, life, life. So the idea is like pretty central there, pretty obvious there. And it's it's this contrast between the new world of technology that we're living in and trying to acclimate to, but also preserving, doing difficult things and committing ourselves to long-term kind of projects, which is again, a metaphor for just like life in general. So Hopefully that wasn't too long, but that's that's the central concept. No, man, you broke that down beautifully, Cole. I have been dissected, all right? Oh, sit. All right, all right. Okay. As y'all know, we usually have a nominations portion of the show where Cole and I each nominate three songs from a project before choosing our last song standing. We didn't think that was necessary for Endless, so we're doing this sudden death style. Cole and I are going to pick our last song standing from Endless straight away with no nominations, and that means who picks first is extra important. Cole... Let's do a sudden death extra quiz, kids. One question to rule them all. Let's get in, get out. What's your question? How does the beginning of Endless connect to the end of Frank's previous album, Channel Orange? Think about it. Because I know you know it, but maybe you just haven't put it together yet. No, it's 6 p.m. Eastern. Like That's (laughs) that's a level of like, if you asked me at 8 a.m., I'd be like, I have a good answer. I don't. You win this round. What is it? Channel Orange ends with the skit end which is a skit inside a car where it's based off the ATL scene Yes, in which Nunu tells uh, Rashad that she likes him. In that scene in the movie that he's recreating on the end of Channel Orange, what song is being played in the car? Do you remember? At Your Best, You Are Loved by Aaliyah, Leah's version, which starts endless. Wait, that's cheating. It's technically the second song, even though the first song isn't a song. Really? It's not a song. It's an intro. It's like one a voice That's saying one, one sentence. No, 
It's the connections. No, that was a good there. one. I think I have right. a good one, but you'll probably know this, but you might not because I don't know if he was out in these streets like that. All right. What's the first name of the person who accidentally leaked the concept of the spiral staircase? Oh, shit. Okay, I don't know because I didn't even know it got leaked. Yeah, so the story on March 18th, 2016, Mishi tweeted that a dude in a bar revealed that he was teaching Frank how to build a spiral staircase. This was before the album ever comes out. Complex ends up interviewing her because she quote tweets it i believe the day of it'd be like yo i can't believe i was right mm. so for a while there was just this tweet out there in the world being like yo why is frank building a staircase for his new album yeah that's really good because he yeah he was being extra secretive about, about everything at this time when you're reading about it because he didn't want def jam to know all the stuff and blah 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 so that's a good one so since we tied you know what gentlemen i'll let you go first because you let me get Ch uh chanel let me get you now. Go first, Cole. What's your endless pick? Okay, so there's a lot of great songs. Rushes, Wither, Unity, Alabama. These are all for endless. It's hard. I mean, it, the exercise. this exercise was so hard, just plucking a song out of this 45-minute, essentially one piece that blends together. It's, it's, it's a flawed exercise. Let me just say that. There's some beautiful moments on Endless, but I feel like they're supposed to be beautiful moments within a large piece, not just plucked out. So let me just say that. Charles, I'm going to need your help on this. I'm debating between two songs. At Your Best, You Are Love, which is a cover. and it's But it's fucking beautiful. And it's the song that I want to hear on this album the most at, if you're just going to pluck a song out, out of it. It's Hindrance is, though, it's a cover. Second song is Higgs. Um, I love Higgs. It's beautiful. Beautiful acoustic guitar part, beautiful lyrics, just just a beautiful song. I, my heart says I kind of want to pick out your best year of love. I'd be happy to pick Higgs, but is it would it be lame if I picked out your best year of love? Is that just here's the thing, dude? No, because at your best you are love is like the only logical pick to me. Like that is the only one that I have on my board in terms of like. It is so clearly not only the best song off this. I know it is an Isley Brothers cover that Aaliyah, that Aaliyah popularized uh, and is probably the one that Frank fell in love with because he devotes this song to Aaliyah. This is one of the most beautiful covers I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It like it's... I almost want to cry each and every time and I'm a big yeah. like can someone's cover be their best song? And I would say like 9 times out of 10 the answer is no. But at your best you are love is like is just so important to who Frank is. Yeah. It shows you literally everything that he is so phenomenal at. I wouldn't like. I would not judge you if you pick this song. This song is so good. So you, but you're not picking it. Oh, I mean, you get first picks. This was the. I'm between at your best, you are love and slide, mm. and slide to me is like a cool song, but it's like, it's no at your best, you are love. How about we both talk about at your, at your best, you are love, and you could talk about Higgs. Yeah. Okay. So you, I mean, you just laid out at your best, you are love. I, I only in considering it one because it's so conceptually how I lay it out, how it connects to Frank and this movie and 
to channel orange. It's like, it feels more than a cover to me. And you can hear that in his performance of it. Shout out to Moon River, which is a single that I didn't mention before, but holy shit, dude. Moon River is so good, dude. <laughs> yeah. The Moon River is fucking beautiful, dude. But here's the other part about At Your Best Year Love. For me personally, it features Johnny Greenwood doing the strings, which is from the Radiohead guitarist, my probably my favorite music, modern musician of all time. And James Blake is playing synthesizer. James Blake, one of my favorite artists, working artists today. Don't tell Azalea Banks that. So it's like that, to, like all those combined, I'm just like, oh my God, how do we, how does, so I'm going to go strategy here. I'm going to just go ahead and say, I'm going to pick Higgs because that leaves the door open for it getting on someone's list that we can take into the finale. And I love Higgs. I think Higgs is very beautiful and I think it represents Endless very well. Do I think it has a chance in the finale? Probably not. But I also like it. You real you revealed your hand in slide, and I just I it can't be slide, dude. So I'm pick uh, I'm picking Higgs. What is it about Higgs though that got even into the conversation because Higgs isn't even in the conversation not that it's a bad song but like it's not at your like, I don't feel about it the way I feel about it's I mean there's a lot of songs that endless that do similar things to Higgs where it starts out very subdued and then slowly over time you kind of you know the instrumentation doesn't change because a lot of these songs are just one piano or one guitar throughout the whole thing but then he starts to either sing louder or starting to stack layers of vocals on top of himself. And that's where, you know, but it's all kind of reverbed and washy and stuff. So, the, you know, like a lot of the best songs on here, he starts out very subdued, but then towards the end of the song, which might be excluding At Your Best You Are Love, I think has probably the most beautiful moment on Endless where he opens up and he says, I'll be back before the streets lights were on, before the daylight's gone. I was spoiled by lavish thoughts. They don't compare. No, not at all. And this has been the past. I might not know what to do with all of what you've showed, what you give. My words can't hold. And if acts of God break us apart, at least we did ours. Woo! Then the outro, turn back, turn back, turn back if you've never been in love. And it's just, it's. I didn't even realize what he was singing until I, I saw the vocals on or on the lyrics on the page, and I was like, "Oh, that's so beautiful and f so frank in terms of just fondly remembering a love from the past and just like appreciating it, savoring it, honoring it. It's just, it's just a beautiful moment, you know. It, nothing crazy conceptual, nothing crazy musical, but that's kind of what Endless is, and I think it represents Endless very well. So I, I'm happy to pick Higgs. I think. You picked Higgs. I picked At Your Best, Your Love. I have to ask this because I did not realize that this was such a fan favorite until I like went back to Endless. I was looking it up. Why not Wither? Like this is a, that's a song that I just did not realize. Like real Frank heads are like not nah, Wither. Is it's joy. if you listen to Wither and a Higgs back to back, which I did because I that's I kind of whittled it down to Higgs, Rushes, and Wither. They're very similar um, in structure and sentiment and even, yeah, like he does the thing where he starts subdued and gets higher towards the end. So they're kind of sister songs in my mind. I probably would have been happy picking with her. I think personally, I just love the the chord progression of Higgs most. Uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, sad, kind of melancholy descending line. Um, so it might just be personal preference there. But I think they express similar sentiments. Um I think they get at the same emotion. So 
I get why Wither would be a fan favorite, but I think Higgs is a little more, it touches me just a little bit more deeper. It's a little more clear to me for some reason. And that, that when I read the lyrics of Higgs, I was just like, oh, okay, I'm sold. Hell yeah. So we have our four that were taken into the Royal Rumble. Biking, Chanel, Higgs, and at your best, your love. I'm feeling really solid now. Yeah. I was feeling like, all right, we don't have enough of the mix. We have a cover in here. You know, Biking and Chanel don't sound the same at all. Higgs doesn't sound the same as any of them. I, how are you feeling now? Yeah, and the last thing about at your best, your love, it's not like Frank just randomly does covers. He's done covers throughout his whole... He, we know him first from Nostalgia Ultra, which has a ton of covers on it. So it's like, it feels it feels right to have a cover and, and specifically a Frank Ocean best song kind of discography, right? Like it feels like it represents it. I couldn't agree more because also his covers, to your point, tell you so much about who he is as a person where you're just like, of course, like Aaliyah's cover of this song explains so much of his artistry and what he finds important because Aaliyah is very much a minimalist R&B singer where she's not trying to be like Whitney or Diana or anyone. The joy of listening to Aaliyah is the entire package and almost the understated quality of it. So I liked that he opens up the next phase of his career, a phase that I do take with someone creating full packages by honoring Aaliyah. I think that that is like a beautiful sentiment. And if somebody was just like, that's the best Frank Ocean song, I wouldn't argue with them because I'm just like emotionally, I totally understand. For the artist that is trying to channel emotions in his music, that's a pretty damn good representation, that song. Yeah. Why don't you thank everybody who makes this podcast possible and then we can reveal, people already know, what is going to be the best. Like, Oh my God. Can't at least the episode I'm most excited for. Yeah. Okay. So first, you guys know now, hit the Spotify episode page. You can cast your vote. Um, hit us up on social media at Dissect Podcast and at Charles X Homes. But next week is what we've been building to the entire season. Oh, yeah. Help. We're doing we're doing blonde blonde with we're doing B O L N D we're doing B O L N D E. Did you know this? Did you know the spelling? The duality, Charles. I cannot wait to break oh this album down gosh. to you. <laughs> I got two versions. Um, but yeah, thanks to executive producer Justin Sales. Thanks to Kevin Pooler for the audio production, and thank you to Bureaucratic for the theme music. Hell yeah. All right, guys, y'all know what time it is. If y'all are still around, this is our cultural exchange. I'm very, very, very excited. Cole, why don't we start off with you? You gave me another classical joints that are that's destroying the streets. What did you give me to listen to? <laughs> I gave you, are you going to talk about different trains? We are talking about different trains. I saw right, yeah. that I, once again, was bowled over by. It's, it was Really? Uh, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, this is my vibe. Like, this is my jam. I, my opinion on it, like, what coming in here, I didn't have like, all right, this is what I want to say about this song. I just mm. wanted you to give me like the quick elevator pitch because I went into this blind. I'm just like, let me just listen to it. 
and immediately I just wanted to Wikipedia. I was just like, what is everything about this song? I need to know the backstory, but I want to give you the honors. Like, why did you pick this song? And did you think that I would like like it this much? Well, I gave it to you because it's um it's challenging, but it's also I feel like has very accessible moments. It especially starts out, I think, pretty interesting and accessible, and then it kind of goes as the story of this of the uh, of the piece kind of moves into the the middle section it gets more dark and dissonant and then it comes out the other side kind of happier i guess um i don't know i think it's just it's a good balance between the challenging aspects of minimalism but also the conceptual possibilities in minimalism which you don't think minimalist music could have many conceptual possibilities just because it's minimal and it has it's very distinct but the way that this piece different trains by steve reich is a concept it tells a story as samples of people that live through world war ii and he's kind of telling the story of world war ii through this music uh and he's mimicking train sounds with the instruments it was probably the samples that did it for me because even though i went in blind i was i was like this has to do with displacement or some form of tragedy there's something that is like happening in this music i was and i wasn't like just staring at the screen like i put it on and i was like walking around and just kind of like vibing to it right and it did have that feeling of being on a train going on this journey the ups and the twistings and turns i thought this was beautiful man great job awesome I'm, you're killing it you're i think you're officially a fan of minimalism yeah so ne- so now it's time before we talk about jeremiah i'm just going to give you your assignment now we're going you love minimalism. This again, my syllabus was 20th century classical music, so we gotta get to one of my favorite composers, Krzysztof Penderecki. This okay, Polish... I like the name already. <laughs> He's a Polish <laughs> po- Polish composer, lived you know 1933 to 2020, so perfectly situated in the 20th century. This piece I'm gonna give you is, I would say, challenging for sure. Okay. It's atonal. It's called Therenity to the Victims of Hiroshima. May or may not have been inspired by Oppenheimer, which is the big craze now, but it's dedicated to the victims of Hiroshima. It's a a piece for 52 string players, like this huge string ensemble. It's atonal. A big thing that Penderecki does is like find different ways to hear traditional instruments to make them sound new. So experiments with all these different techniques of playing the instrument, you're going to hear people banging on the on the, uh, ch- their cellos with their you know with their bows you're going to hear like all types of sounds you've never heard before produced by a string or orchestra uh Penderecki is hugely influential it's used his music is used in Stanley Kubrick David Lynch Martin Scorsese big influence on Johnny Greenwood so the only request that I have for you this is only a 9 minute piece i need you to listen with headphones on and all you have all you have to do is listen. Just give right. me that 9 minutes, put the headphones on and just listen. You're going to think it's going to sound dissonant and you're going to think like scary movie. Try your best to push that away and just just be neutral and just let the peace happen to you. That's all I'll say. Yo, I got you, Cole. I'm locked in. All right. Now, we're continuing my uh, PBR and B syllabus because this is an entire subgenre of music that you never listen to, Cole. So first, I need to know what did you think of Jeremiah Late Night? <laughs> I re-listening to it. I was just like, dog, I can't believe I gave this to Cole. He's gonna <laughs> hate this shit. I love it, but I was like, he's gonna hate it. Here, I had a journey with this. I put it on 
I hear the first track number two, which is the first song, uh, and it sounds like like an R. Kelly imitation to me. Uh, and then oh, it has like the go. And then it has okay. Then it has a go! the first line. The first line that I hear him say is "Rosa's so wet, get Rosa a coaster. That booty's so soft, just like my sofa." Bow, like like come on, bar, <laughs> bar. Let's go. Um, okay. Then it goes to you know all the time, which is I guess the hit on this this project, but. Super cringe lyrics. The chorus, I like the sound Wait, are of the you, chorus. Are you talking cringe about cringe ass all the lyrics, time? dude? Yeah, cringe ass lyrics. Like maybe sex music's just you not wasn't my thing. outside. Yo, Justin, get him. You wasn't outside, bro. Hold on, just hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, just hold on, hold on, hold on. But, <laughs> it, but then I kept listening. I get to aw shit with Fabulous. I don't not a big fan of Fabulous or even his verse on there, but the beat is crazy. That beat's super interesting. Then we get to all of me again super interesting beat and really unpredictable melodies and then by the time i got to 773 love i'm kind of vibing dude i'm oh, kind of into what? it <laughs> oh i'm kind of digging it really because oh, it's like it started off a little too traditional for me like it but then it got kind of weird and unpredictable and i was like okay i get how this is like alternative because at first i was like why is this any different and then it started to get weirder and I started to appreciate it a little bit more. So definitely better than Party Next Door in my mind. Um, th- so, you know, it's okay. I'm proud of you, Cole. Like, look at look at your horizons expanding. How are you feeling, <laughs> Justin? Because this is near and dear to your heart. I thought that I thought that this was going to be the one that he, you know, seeded some ground on. So um, <laughs> I'm very happy to hear it. This is like legitimately, I say this with without... Any exaggeration, Late Nights with Jeremiah, the mixtape, the one that Cole listened to, is in my top 30 albums ever. I say that like Hell yeah. wow. very confidently. Wow. It could, Depending on wow. the day, it could be even higher. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Talk that shit. You know, Hell yeah. You know what? And this isn't part of the syllabus because I'm not part of that. But did you enjoy Jeremiah's voice? At times. I thought at, at times, times. It's, it was a little annoying. There's certain things he does with it. I'm just like not into it. When it gets like super traditional R and B, I was just like, just not my style. But he does. I don't know if if it was all songs like that first song, I probably would have hated the project. But it definitely got got interesting. You know why I'm more excited to hear talk about late nights with Jeremiah? Olivia the intern. Olivia the intern. Are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. All right, sorry for calling you Olivia the intern, but I think it's like cool. You know what I'm saying? You only will have this distinction for a while longer. Olivia the intern, what was your thoughts on this this album? So I listened to this while walking for the first time, and the first like four songs I enjoyed in like an ironic sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. And then Damn. the more I listened to it, I judge whether I like something based on whether the uh, artist is like self-aware. And I think I realized he was self-aware when I got to like knock in. Um, and I was like, I think my generation would really enjoy this because it's just really <laughs> weird. And um, especially like feel the bass. I already told you this. It reminded me of like a Tayo Cruz song, but way more so inappropriate. This is so different. <laughs> oh, I love this. Way better she's too. shitting on you in the like the nicest way, but she's I know. On you. Jeez. <laughs> I did really enjoy it. And then the second test came when I put it on in the car with my sister and my friend when we were going to a bar. And it was after listening to Dochi. And I put this on, snuck it in, 
and they really enjoyed it. I put on um, Rosa Acosta, which they did like. Um, Hell, did, okay. Did, did they the like kids it? are all right. Cole. Hold on, the no, kids did they are like all it? right. Did they like it? Ironically, did they like it? Ironically, though. Um, no, I think they actually really liked it. Hell yeah. That's the power of Jeremiah. That's the power of PBR and B. Cole. <laughs> Olivia, the intern, thank you so much. I was ready to like just feel so old. I like I still do, but I'm like, if we have a war, I think the children <laughs> will save us. I hope they're. Reasonable. I hope the children are fine. But Olivia, the intern, thank you so much. Of course. Now it is time for the album that I didn't want to give you first, and is like an album slash mixtape that like. I have curdled on a little bit in terms of like my fandom of it, but it is probably in the route Mount Rushmore. We got to go house of balloons the weekend. Like okay. we got to go house of the balloon, like house of balloons. Justin, is it unfair? Like, it, like I feel like this is like, it's not the one I want to give him, but it's just kind of like required reading. It's, it's the formative text of the genre, right? Cause when, when this, the whole reason this term came out is because of the proximity between the PBR and B term because of the proximity between Nostalgia Ultra and uh, House of Balloons because white people that usually listen to indie rock were hearing the stuff and they were enjoying it. And it's like, we, this, this must, these two totally different things must be the same exact things because I enjoy them both. Dog, he's sampling b black people listen to Beach House? Yeah. What the fuck? Like <laughs> yeah, that, that was it too. There's, there's a couple samples on there that are very like baity for the type of person who would use the term PBR and B, ironically or unironically. You've you've listened to weekend albums before, right, Cole? Yeah, for the most part. I, I want to say I've definitely listened to House of Balloons, but I can't the whole trilogy gets like washed. So I'm definitely excited to re-listen to it. Listen to the original version. The, the he he put the original version up last year. Maybe. Original version, original mix. You gotta hear this the same yeah, I gotta way hear it raw. Yeah, freshman yeah. Charles in high school was just like vibing. This is the debut, right? This so is this the is debut. The first, this yeah, is the okay. start of it all, Cole. Let's go. The PB, PBRV syllabus is going great. And with <laughs> that, guys, we will see y'all next week.